Welcome to the Normal Christian Life Podcast with Pastor Stephen Samuel. As you listen, we know that you will be encouraged and challenged to follow the normal Christian life that Jesus offers to us. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so please visit us online at icathedral.org. You can also find useful information about our church and other resources that will help you grow in your journey with Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. So many Christians believe one time they were made righteous when they confessed their sins, but they think from that point to this, there's all this condemnation, and they don't feel, I'm righteous. And they're still, what, righteous, but they're not living in that righteousness. They don't see the justification, the thing that God declares over them. Okay, read on here. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? And here's the big one, peace with God. We have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. And if you want to just kind of write in your Bible there, that word tribulation literally means distress. We glory in distress knowing that tribulation or distress works patience or steadfast endurance and patience experience or dependability and experience hope. And hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. As I was reading this text, I was like, what is he talking about? Tribulation and distress. He's talking around this idea of having peace with God. There's times when you feel at peace with God. There's times when you don't. And that times when you don't is what Paul is referring to here as distress. When does that distress come in? Well, when I do something goofy or I listen to somebody and they tell me I'm not pleasing God, and that distress comes in. But what happens when that distress comes in? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go back to that place of steadfast endurance, which means what? I know I'm righteous. I tell myself, I decree over myself, I tell myself, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I was listening to a story of a guy this morning uh, on a podcast, and he was an alcoholic. Uh, I, think it was a, I think it was Singapore. He's an alcoholic, and he heard this message of the righteousness of God. As an alcoholic, he'd been an alcoholic numerous years, 20 years something. And he heard the message, right, this message that you're supposed to decree over yourself, declare over yourself as God declares over you, I'm the righteousness of God. And he said for when he started believing it, He'd still go to the bar. He'd still be drinking. He said, there was one time I felt like such a hypocrite. I'd be pouring the glass of beer, telling myself, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He said it took him two or three weeks, and the craving went away. And he kept doing it. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Months later, guess what? Free of alcoholism. I'm the righteousness of God. You say, Stephen, is that kind of a contradiction, telling yourself, You're free when you're bound. It's faith. You're speaking those things that are not as though they are. And you believe it in your heart, and your your mind might be broken, but your spirit is beginning to speak life to your mind, saying, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. And eventually, behavior follows what you believe. It always works that way. Behavior follows what you believe. Now, say, Stephen, what if, what if people just say that, but they don't really believe it? Then it's not going to work, right? 
you have to begin to believe I'm righteous. But here's the crazy part. Whatever you say about yourself often enough, you begin to believe it. You begin to believe it. You can try it. It's a horrible experiment, but you can try it. Try all day tomorrow. Walk around and say, man, I'm just so tired. Man, I'm just so tired. You try that for a few days and find out how your body feels. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be tired, right? Try to walk around for the next few days and say, I'm righteous. I'm righteous before God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is not just positive thinking. This is declaring over your mind what God has said over you. So the source of power comes from it's the word of God, not your ability just to repeat it, right? It comes from the word of God. So you begin to tell yourself, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. And then what happens? Tribulation. The enemy is going to come to dissuade you from this truth. And what happens when he comes to put tribulation or to put distress in your heart concerning who you are in Christ? What do you have to do? Dig in. Keep saying it. Endurance. Keep saying it. Keep believing it, I should say, and saying it. And then he says, what happens? Tribulation works. Patience, and that word literally means steadfast endurance. And patience or steadfast endurance produces what? Experience, or that word literally in the Greek means dependability. And experience produces hope. If I persist, guess what I'll have? A hope. A hope of what? The hope that does not make us shamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I wish I really had time to dive into this. Watch what he says here in verse six. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God, watch this verse, commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more now, being justified or declared righteous by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath or punishment through him. God made us righteous when we were sinners. How much more now that you are not a sinner, but you're made righteous, is it important that you declare over yourself, I'm righteous, I'm righteous. So the big question that comes is, well, what about the sin thing then? Now, I don't know about you, but most of my Christian walk, I was taught that the battle that every Christian faces from the time they follow Jesus, start following Jesus till the day they die, is they're always gonna fight the sin nature. The only problem with that idea is I don't see that in the scripture. If you're always battling sin your whole walk with Jesus, then Christ's atonement, let me rephrase, the belief in Christ's atonement was never secured in your heart. He gave us power over sin. I'm gonna show you here in the scriptures. And if I don't believe it, guess what I don't have? Power over sin. It all comes back to what I believe I have. I'm given it already, but if I don't believe what I'm given, the truth of what I'm given, then I won't exercise my faith, which means I won't have, right? Now read on here. Romans chapter six, verses 11 through 14. Two questions on the sin problem. If I've been justified, should I struggle with sin, number one, and then the next question, if I shouldn't be struggling with sin, then how do I overcome this thing? And Paul answers that question here in Romans 6, chapter, 11, chapter 6, verse 11 to 14. He says, likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
That word reckon in the Greek text literally means consider yourself like this. Literally, take a moment, pause in your thinking, and think, I am dead to sin. Sin has no more power over me. The big lie that these believers that I talk to or people that, that, that are struggling with sin and they're in habitual sin is they literally believe, I cannot get out of this. And the belief that I cannot get out of this is what keeps you in the place of bondage. But you begin to believe, I'm righteous because he made me righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. All has become new. I begin to say that sometimes it's thousand times a day, hundreds of times a day. And what am I going to start doing? Believing what I'm saying. And as I'm saying it, I'm believing it. And then I'm believing what I'm saying. And guess what starts happening? I begin to believe I'm righteous. And when I begin to believe I'm righteous, my behavior starts lining up with my belief. Right? Okay, read on here. Therefore, verse 12 do not, look at that word right there, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. You have to, as a believer, allow sin in. It can't just come and knock you over and take over your life. You have to allow it. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Your will is intact as a follower of Jesus because you've established this truth in your heart, I'm righteous. And so I have to choose to be unrighteous. Whereas someone who's not following Jesus, guess what? They have no choice in the matter. They're swayed by every whim, by every desire, every hint of self-worship overtakes them. Even if they're disciplined in some areas, they're not disciplined in all areas. And we've seen that. I've seen that many times. People are so, I want to live a, a good life, but I don't need Jesus, and so I'm going to be a good person. And I've got all these good accolades in my life. I'm a humanitarian. I'm a philanthropist, blah, blah, blah. And then you look deeper into the closet, and you find out there's some areas that are broke. Because guess what? We cannot acquire righteousness by ourselves. And here he says what? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it, obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, what is this concept of being under grace is? We're gonna wrap this up here. God has given us the power over our sin nature by offering to us the constant communion of being, him, being with him. Grace is God's divine ability put in us. It's the favor of God put in us. And because we automatically have favor with God, then we come to a place where we are free from the power of sin. You are already freed from the power of sin if you keep believing I'm God's favorite. Even in the midst of what seems like hypocritical behavior, you keep saying, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. Stephen, you're righteous. You're righteous. Because not I think so, because God says so. And the more I listen to that declaration of righteousness, here's what happens. Grace begins to give me power. The favor of God begins to give me power. The word grace there literally means the divine influence on the heart and then its expression in the life. 
right? God begins to give me ability to live like I am in him. Keep going here. I'm running out of time here. Jump down to the next point. He says, what does grace-focused life look like? Constant conversation, communion with Jesus, and regular submission to his voice. And you can't separate the two. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And a lot of times we interpret that phrase to say, because I love him, that's why I keep his commandments. But this is what he says. If you love me, love will empower you to keep my commandments. Now, Think of it like this. The people that you love in your life can easily ask you pretty much for anything, and you'll do it. Sometimes you don't want to do it, but because love is there for them, you'll do it. It's not, you don't think to yourself, well, I need to obey my wife, right? You love her. (laughs) Bill, you think that, don't you? (laughs) You don't. You don't go to yourself, you don't wake up every morning and think, I need to listen to my wife, I need to listen to my wife, I need to listen to my wife, I need to obey my No, you love and it comes out of your heart. And so when someone that you love asks for something, you do because you love. And that love is somewhat, yes, you have to choose to love many times, but it's not a choice you have to make gritting your teeth every day for the rest of your life. Love comes out of your heart for people. The more you're with them, the more you love them, and the more you do for them. In the same way, the more you're with God, grace begins to impact your life, and you, out of a love for the Father, obey his commandments. It's so hard to obey God when you don't love him. It really is. That's called legalism. People trying to behave like they love God, but in their heart, they doubt him. They think he's a harsh master. They think that he demands too much. They hope they just get into heaven and life becomes hard. They're already righteous. They have the favor of God, but they don't believe they have it. And because they don't believe they have it, they live like they don't have it. Okay, now watch this in Romans chapter six, verse 20. For you were slaves of sin and you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in these things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is Death, But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves to God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. And we all know this phrase very well, this passage, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me close with this and we'll have some time for questions. Can a Christian ever overcome sin? I would say yes. If Jesus' power of atonement doesn't give you the victory over sin eternally, then what does it give you victory over? It's not just heaven admission. He came to make you righteous. Well, Stephen, I know people have been following Jesus forever, and they still struggle with this and that and this, and I get that. But our example is not people. It's Jesus. Did Jesus struggle with sin? No. Was he tempted? Absolutely. In fact, Hebrews would tell us he was tempted in every way, just as we are. He is touched with the feelings of our weaknesses, and yet he was without sin. The longer you walk with Jesus, the less less conscious you should be of sin, right? The less conscious you should be of sin nature. You should be more and more conscious of what? His righteousness, 
your love for him, his love for you. And the more conscious I am of him and his love for me and my love for him, sin loses its appeal. There's an old hymn that said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's an incredible song that unpacks a powerful theological point. The more you experience Jesus, the more power sin is lost in your life. But there's not a compromising point at which you say, I want just this much of Jesus, and then this much, uh, you know, I still want to do my thing. There's not, I want Jesus on Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and then, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that's my time, <laughs> right? No, it's all him. It's all him, all the time. I'm in him. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing, he's there with me. When I'm out, you know, at Starbucks, having a coffee, reading a book, I'm out at the deer lease, and I'm setting up stuff, or he's there right with me. He wants to be with me all the time. Well, Stephen, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Listen, there's no more, there's no sense, C.S. Lewis says, there's no sense in being more spiritual than God, right? If he has the ability to be normal with us in our daily life, don't try to over-spiritualize your life because when people try to spiritualize things, they're trying to get their sense of righteousness from their behavior and not from just being with him and believing I'm with him and I'm righteous. Not because of what I'm doing, but because of who he is. Man, it makes you fall in love with Jesus when you realize, as long as he's with me, I'm righteous. God declares, he justifies, I'm righteous. It's like this. When I was a kid, we used to go outside, you know, playing around in the sun. You ever try to stop and look up at the sun and kind of try to see if you can see the sun? I know some of you never tried this. That's why I have the dark skin I have. <laughs> But if you look at the sun in its full fullness in the noonday sky, you never can see its form. You only see the glory that it emits, right? And then as little kids, we would try to put things like fingers up, you know, play with, you know, the sunlight. And it would be amazing. As far as we are from the sun, you put your hand up there and all of a sudden you can lose your hand in the brightness of the sun, right? Your eyes just can't contain that. And it's the same way. The closer you get to him, you begin to lose this identity of self, and it's just all him. It's just all him. People begin to think, God, that person is so much like Jesus. That's what the world is looking for. When you get so close to him that people can't tell the difference between the person that Jesus is historically and the person that you are now. You say, Stephen, that's so far away. It's not. You're in it right now. God has put into you his righteousness. You just have to let it come out. Paul would say this in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who took on the form of a man, yet didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. He's with me. Now, I put a little prayer here at the end, that, a little exercise for you. The, just, the justification to declare over yourself and those you pray for this week. And I kind of, yes, I paraphrased it. I'm not a heresy, heretic. But just the small passage of text from Romans, I think it's Romans 6, chapters 4. I'm sorry, chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Is that it? I'm trying to think. I think it is. It says, therefore, Paul says, therefore, I am buried 
with Jesus through baptism into his death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so I will walk in the newness of life. For I have been united together in the likeness of his death and will be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's for the here and now. My old man was crucified with him and the nature of my sin so that the, nat- uh, that the nature of my sin might be done away with, that I should no longer be a slave of sin. For I have died, for I have died, uh, I think I made a typo there, and been freed from sin. For I have died and been freed from sin. And that passage that I keep quoting tonight, I am the righteousness of God. Here's the, here's what I'm trying to say to you as I'm wrapping this up. If you will intentionally make your mind go to the place of saying, thinking, I'm righteous, I'm righteous, I'm right before God, here's what'll happen. All the objections will come. Well, if people knew what you did, all these years, blah, 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 if they knew how you talked to so-and-so, if they knew these thoughts that you had, if they knew these shows that you watched, if they knew, all these thoughts will start coming. And there's a reason for that because the righteousness of God is now starting to set standard in your thinking, right? And so what you have to response to that is this. You ready? I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even good, God bless them, religious people will come into your life. Well, if you're so righteous and you think you're such a blah, 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 then you would do this and do that and do this. And you know what you say to that? I'm righteous already. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the more the voice of the condemnation comes in, and the more you hold to this truth in your thinking, you'll start seeing righteous thinking produce righteous behavior in your life. What we believe in our heart about ourselves, we become in the life. We become in our behavior. And I'm not saying this out of just, hey, try this as a good idea. I've been doing this for years. Years. Listen, the first couple years, it was a war in the head. It was a battle because I would look at my life and I would think, man, I'm doing horrible things, right? I'm doing things that I know God doesn't approve of, but I would say to myself as a teenager, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you know what happened? That ship began to turn. It began to turn. And then I began to not just only believe I'm righteous, I begin to behave like I'm righteous. And as we conclude this part here, you'll notice in Romans chapter 8, Paul hits this right on the head where he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. When we get this thing built into our constant thinking that I'm righteous before God and God justifies me, has brought me to a place where he's decreeing my righteousness, there's this place where condemnation no longer has a place. How many things in our life do we do out of condemnation? How many? A lot. Well, if you were a good mom, you would do this. If you were a good Christian, you would give this. You would write this kind of a check. You would do this kind of, and it's all out of what? Condemnation. And I hate to say it, but the church, for the most part, has leveraged that tool over people's hearts and minds, where people leave church and they think they're spiritual when they feel condemned. And I'm like, no, that's horrible. You should feel like God loves you and has made you righteous every time you leave. And if you leave, think God's against me and he hates my life and I got to go do all these things, then you haven't been told the good news. 
that righteousness would be put on you, right? I challenge you. Listen, that little phrase at the end of our notes here, say that over yourself every morning. Write it down. Meditate on it. I'm the righteousness of God. My old man is buried. I'm no longer bound to the power of sin. Go through that passage. I mean, I really encourage you, go through Romans chapter 4, 5, and 6 and see what Paul says about the righteousness you have. All it comes back to this is this. What you believe in your heart about yourself, that's what you will become. See, Stephen, that sounds like a lot of thinking about myself. When you believe rightly about yourself, it's easy to believe rightly about the God who made you. When you think rightly about yourself, it's easy to believe good about the God who made you because he made you like him. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us at icathedral.org or on social media via Instagram and Facebook, or most easily by downloading our app, Cathedral Church, in the app store of your choice. Until next time, keep living that not-so-normal Christian life. God bless you.